Before we begin today's episode, I just want to put out a content warning. This film is a modern military piece, so there will be depictions of police brutality, gun violence, war, self-harm, and suicide. If any of those things make you uncomfortable, please feel free to skip this episode and come back another week. Welcome to Avant Bard, a podcast where two theater nerds explore the highest highs and the lowest lows of works inspired by that upstart crow himself, William Shakespeare. That's me doing like a like a, a military guy. My name is Megan Charlo, and I use she/her pronouns. And my name is Matthew James Marquez, and I use he/him pronouns. And today we are talking about 2011's Coriolanus. Directed and starring Ray Fiennes, written by John Logan. It is a modern adaptation of William Shakespeare's Coriolanus, set in modern day in, quote, a place calling itself Rome, but based on the Balkan states and filmed in Serbia and Montenegro. Did you know that this play was not called The Tragedy of Coriolanus, and it was just called Coriolanus? Yeah? I did not know that. Why did you think it was it because we watched Tragedy of Macbeth recently, so that got tragedy of in your head? They're all called the tragedy of Blank, and this is one of Shakespeare's tragedies. Nah, it's just his name. It's like Time of Athens. Like, it's, it's just not, like no, it's just the guy. It's technically called the tragedy of Hamlet, the Prince of Denmark. That's the full title. Yeah, but the boring ones people don't like. It's just like yeah, it's Time of Athens. Yeah, it's Coriolanus. <laughs> You're saying that the popularity of a Shakespeare play determines the length of yeah. the play name. Yeah. A Midsummer Night's Dream is quite long. You know what? I think Romeo and Juliet is... Is it the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet? That's pretty long if it is. It's pretty short if it's not. We just call it rom Jam, <laughs> Which shows my respect for that piece of shit play. I spit on it because I call it rom Jam. That's not true. So the film version of Coriolanus that we watched was released to a variety of small film festivals in Berlin and other major cities, London, New York, Chicago, but it never had a wide release. So again, we cannot talk about the box office because it never had a wide release. Fine by me. It made $1 million to a $7.7 million budget, Megan. Wait, I thought you said we couldn't talk budget. No, we can. It just doesn't matter because it wasn't released wide yeah so they weren't like well we gotta make sure we make back what we spent it was just like oh this is an art piece also it's 2011 the shakespeare film craze had passed by like 10 years so what about the ray fines craze i guess this is like harry potter adjacent so i'm sure some tumblr kids were like Voldemort is so wild in this one. His nose, it's there. <laughs> yes? Y- yes, Megan? Tell me about Coriolanus. Tell me about it. Tell me all about it. Coriolanus is actually this guy named Gaius Martius. He's a military guy, and he's good at it. Also, by the way, we're in Rome, and it's the Roman times. Yeah, so people are in Roman attire. Robes. They're playing on their Roman instruments. 
they had a bathroom that only had one sponge on a stick. Yeah, they're all together. Atriums. Yeah. Columns. There's a senate. Do you smell it in the air? Councils? Yes. So this guy is really good at military. He's the best, man. And then he's like, what's up? friends and <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he's like Megan <laughs> okay he's a lot more stern and uh his uh, Menenius his friend I guess somehow I don't really know how they know each other uh, <laughs> they don't seem similar at all uh but Menenius is like yeah he should be part of the council and he's like I mean yeah whatever I don't give a shit about the people but sure I'll do that I know war and then they're like, well, you know, you need the people's vote. So then he goes to the people and he's like, yeah, I did good war. And they're like, yeah. And then these other senators are like, no, why would you say that? He doesn't give a crap about you. And they're like, what? You're right. We hate that guy. So then like within a day, they're like, nah, Never mind, Mr. So-called Coriolanus. I skipped that part. He gets called Coriolanus when he's put as counsel. Like, you skipped, like, two full acts of this play. Do they matter? You don't want me yes. to give... Oh, okay, fine. I'm taking No, over. no, 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 no. No, this is my job. No, no. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay, we're going... I'll start over. I'll start over. Okay, I'm going to try to do this off the dome once again. Marquez, if I miss something, buzz yourself in, Okay. 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 Gaius Martius yeah. is this guy in Rome. He's good at military. Yep. Somehow, they want him to be consul. <laughs> Again, you have skipped two full acts of this play. What happens in those acts? Rome. Oh, wait, wait. There's a big <laughs> war going on. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's a big battle. It's a fight. <laughs> There's a fight. Aphidius' guys are like, coming. <laughs> What's happening? Okay, fine. Buzz yourself in. You're in. Rome, suffering a major food shortage. Oh, that's right. Bread, bread, bread. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's the film. The citizens uh, rioting in the streets. Uh, Coriolanus, not Coriolanus yet. Gaius Martius. An arm of the state law. An absolute cop. A total pig. And he's good at it. He comes in, tells them, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. Wah, wah. We want our state to take care of us. You suck. That's part one. Oh no, he calmed down the riots by using force. But then the Volskis, yeah, the Vols Volskis, Volskis, Aphidius's guys, uh, his boys, the Offy boys. They're gonna come in. And they're like, we're going to attack. And then Coriolanus is like, well, bam, 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 bam. A great scapegoat for social problems is... An enemy. We got a war. Yeah. Can't worry about grain shortage. We got a war. These people could kill you. You're that worried about not eating bread? Anyway, he fights them off. And because of that, the Senate is like, oh, Caius... Martius should be consul. He's Coriolanus. Because he fought the in Coriolis. 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 Fuck. I, okay, this is where we begin this uh, 
trope. Megan, I'm gonna, Here's a trope I'm, I'm of the. I'm gonna ride in my uh, my Coriolis. I'm gonna take a drive down the down the pike in this, my Coriolis. This is a trope of this episode where um, I'm gonna get mad every time I'm reminded that it's Coriolis. Yeah, Coriolanus, Megan. Coriolis. That would be Coriolanus. I'm saying that it's similar. Yes. No, it's different. That's my problem. I want to say Coriolanus Coriolis. Oh. But it's Coriolanus Coriolis. Coriolanus. Coriolanus. See, that makes you stress anus even more. Anyway, (laughs) he is like, thank you. Thank you for the title. My title, Coriolanus. That is my name now. And that's how it works. Then his good friend, Menenius, who I don't know how they know each other. Yeah, it's just kind of like... You just know each other at that point. I mean, like, you get famous enough in war, and then people start talking about That's fair, you, that's fair. Especially in... In Roman times. Especially and... in an early modern England assumption Roman of Roman times. Yeah, sure. So, they're like, you know, to fully be part of the Senate, be a consul, you need to have the people's voices. So he's like, oh, I don't care about the people at all, but I'll go talk to them and get their voices. And then he's like, look at my scars, see how I fought. And they go, that's right, he did fight. He has our voice. Bless our troops. Yes, that is what he says. Thank you for your service. And then two other senators, Brutus and (laughs) (laughs) Man, do you only know Brutus's name because you marked it in your brain as a character you would like to play? Yes. I know I'd also play <laughs> Senator V. So Senator Brutus and Senator V are like, we hate Coriolanus. And they're like, people, what are you talking about? This guy hates you. Don't you remember all the times he hated you and wouldn't let you eat bread? And they're like, oh my God, we totally <laughs> forgot. So then they take backsies. They say, no, no, no. He doesn't have our voice. So then Coriolanus is like, time to go to the Capitol. And they're like, dude, you're not welcome here. You do not have the voice and of the people. And he's like, oh, give me one shot. And then he has the worst sound bite of all time. Yes. And they're like, wow, that was the worst sound bite of all time. We should get rid of you. You're gone. You're banished. You are banished. And so then he leaves. And oh no, things are still bad, it turns out. It's almost like he had nothing to do with it. But also, yeah, I think he should be banished. Whatever, that's not what this is about. Megan, he goes, what? How dare you say that about one of our no. nation's soldiers? You're supposed to buzz in if you want to interrupt oh, my I'm spot. Sorry, I'm sorry. So he ends up. How dare you say that about one of our nation's soldiers? We live in America. So he goes out to Offie's guys, and he's like, it's me. And they're like, who? And then he joins them, and then he like kind of leads them, and then he's like, we need to kill all of Rome. Back at home, this whole time, he has had a wife, a son, and a mother. And a third lady. And a lady with a V name. And... They have very different feelings on this whole situation. Not the banished situation. They're all unhappy with that. But the mom's very proud and martial and the wife is very sad and worried. Anyway, they, once he's gone, are like, we need to plead to get him back. And so they go to him and they're like, don't do this. And he's like, you're right. I won't. And so then he goes and makes peace and Alfie's mad. 
So then he sixes men on him. Nice. And yeah, Coriolanus is dead. It's one of Shakespeare's lesser known tragedies. So it's a very cut and dry plot and also long. It's because it's got war in it, Megan. That's because it's a work of words. So he can't just be like a cool fight scene happens that ends up with this. He has to have words that describe it and then people telling news and things. And it can't just be like, and then Legolas uses the shield like a skateboard and goes down the stairs. Now, now you bring up an interesting point. What if Coriolanus used a shield like a skateboard? I'd be like, why do they have shields? This is gun times. So what's this play about, man? This play is about guys suck, men are bad, toxic masculinity is bad. I'm not wrong. No, I think it's mostly about how society treats people who fight for them, putting them on a pedestal or... I think also it's about how you should not be a nationalist. Well, I mean, I would say that about every play. Yeah, also, I don't um, remember the play as well, and I watched the movie recently, so I can definitely talk more about what the movie wants you to feel. Well, thankfully, this is a direct adaptation. Well, yeah. We didn't mention that. Oh, yeah, that's why there weren't quotes at the beginning. Instead, I was just like, this got a lot of violence, guys. This is a direct adaptation. There are Shakespeare words. And then we go to Marquez's acting corner. Ray Fiennes is the director of this film and also the star of this film. He plays Coriolanus. Ray Fiennes is an Emmy and Oscar-nominated and Tony Award-winning actor who has been treading the Shakespearean boards for a long time. Roles Megan would know Ray Fiennes from. Lord Voldemort in the Harry Potter films. Oh my gosh, you said his name. Ramesses II in Prince of Egypt. Oh, yeah. That's good. He's good in that. Yeah, I guess he was also an English patient in Schindler's List, and that's where he got his Oscar nomination. Yeah, I haven't but seen that. But not those. as important as millennial favorite Prince of Egypt. Yeah. Did he do the singing, too? I have no clue. <gasps> he did! Good for him. Wow. I also love him in the Grand Budapest Hotel, which Megan has not seen. Nope. Gerard Butler. I know that guy. He's an actor. He's been in stuff not nearly as acclaimed as Ray Fiennes. But more attractive. <laughs> wow. I think he I think he's more conventionally attractive than Ray Fiennes. He plays Ophidius. Some things Megan would know Gerard Butler from. Name one. Phantom of the Opera. I have that down here, Megan. I wrote down here, um, everyone loved him in it, and that is the number one adaptation of Phantom of the Opera. This is the truth, and God has said this. So it is true. Everyone loves that version. Did the movie company pay you to say this? Yeah, yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber himself paid me to say this. I don't think he'd say that. 300. Correct. He was Leonidas in 300. He does a kick. And there's one more, Megan, that I don't think you know that he's this character. Tell me. He was Stoic the Vast 
in the How to Train Your Dragon movies. He was! Name Vanessa Redgrave, who plays Volumnia, Coriolanus' mother, is a world-famous actress, and she has the triple crown of acting, an Oscar, an Emmy, and a Tony. So she's got an E-opt. There's nothing that she has been in that <laughs> Megan would know her from. Because she really is in mostly critically acclaimed films from like the 1980s and 90s, which isn't Megan's wheelhouse at all. Megan would know her as Elizabeth from Anonymous, a movie we watched for this very podcast. Yeah, I hate it. Did you know that Laurence Olivier, after a performance of Hamlet, when Vanessa Redgrave was born told the audience a great actress has been born this night because his friend Michael Redgrave got news of his daughter's birth and he just announced it so she's kind of like a great prophesied a great prophetic actress anyway she might be wow Oxfordian how terrible would that be to to not be an actress no to be one of the people that was performing in that Hamlet and be like oh my gosh is he talking about me that this was my big break no he's talking about a literal baby who hasn't even said a word uh Jessica Chastain plays Virgilia Coriolanus's wife get it she's virginal she has (gasps) and the mom is loud sorry continue She has Oscar nominations for The Help and Zero Dark Thirty, and she won for The Eyes of Tammy Faye just this year. I've never heard of that. I think she rules in Zero Dark Thirty, Megan. She's also in Interstellar and The Martian. She's been Space Chastain several times. She was Adult Beverly in It Chapter 2. That's what Megan would know her from. And she also was in Crimson Peak, which I would assume Megan would know her from. But as we discovered... I remember the costumes more than the people. Yeah. I'm sorry. Also, I've seen The Help. What? Yeah, I watched it during pandemic. It was on a streaming service. Okay. She's one of the white bitches. That's all I can assume. (laughs) Yeah. Brian Cox, who plays Menenius, is another famous actor who I know as William Stryker in X2, X-Men United. I don't know why I can't remember that. I own it on DVD. You probably just know it because of Nightcrawler. He's in Succession currently, which I need to see. I need to watch because everyone tells me to watch Succession. All these memes are like, you're going to be up at 3 a.m. watching Succession. So I'm like, so I shouldn't start it because I value my sleep. I mean, he's been in a lot of things, but I have a secret one. Oh, this is the one you wouldn't tell me. Yes. What is it? Brian Cox was Mr. Krieg in Trick or Treat. The old... But he's so so small in that, isn't he? Well, he's got a lot of hair on him. That's probably all fake. Yeah. That's so cool. I know that. That's how I wanted to end it because I wanted it to be like a nice, a nice little, a nice thing I know. Yep. Uh, so that's it. I'm done. We can start the film. Roll the film. We open up on a man sharpening a dagger. I hate it. This man is tattooed. Why do you hate it? You just don't like. I hate knife sharpening. I hate the sound of it. But the sound is definitely muted in this. So, oh, of course. I mean, I mean, course. I still folded my lips under my teeth. Yeah. But not as bad as when it's like in my kitchen. 
he is watching a TV news broadcast that shows a protest and a man named Martius. Oh, we know that name. The TV channel is Fidelis TV, which means Truth TV. I I wrote that down too. There is a Roman food crisis, and the Senate has declared a state of emergency. And then another headline says that General Martius suspends civil liberties. Then there's rioting in the streets. I also think it's important to note that they say that this is a place calling itself Rome. It's not from the play. They just say, like, this is not Rome. Is it just because people would be like, that's not accurate? I think they're being artsy. Yeah, yeah. I hate to boil down them having a point and theme to their movie down to artsy. But well, yes. it's the fact that they want to keep all the lines in that mention Rome. So they can't be like, well, we're in the Middle East. Well, it's also because <laughs> you map on things to Rome. So this movie, as was briefly mentioned before, is modern day. It is not past. So they do a lot of things like someone's on a video chat. Instead of actually being in the room. Or it's words that are headlines to give you plot summaries. A group of revolutionaries meet up, but then say, wait, Menenius is going to speak, and he is a man that loves the people, but he hates those damn mutants. And I... (laughs) Ah, he hates those mutants. I think it's really interesting because this gives us the opportunity to separate further the people who are rioting and the Senate. Yeah. Because in the play, Menenius is there with them. They're in the same room. But in this, they're looking at a TV screen, hearing Menenius speak, quote unquote, to them. But really, he's just doing a a statement to the press. Yeah. And so the citizens march. And when I was writing my notes, I was like, ah, yes, the citizens march on City Hall. And then it says Central Grain Depot. And I said, the citizens march on the Central Grain Depot. And then they chant bread. They do chant They want bread, Megan. They want, I mean, I shouldn't laugh because they are starting to starve. Megan, but the chanting of the word bread is just silly. Bread is an inherently silly word. Bread. <laughs> they break in and they get beat down immediately by, by the, police. the military police. Oh, and Coriolanus is here and he hates the common folk. He's very angry and he yells at them. And my note here was, I'm not a huge fan of him so far acting wise. Wayan, acting wise. Oh, I thought you meant like. As a person, that too. Like this Marcius guy seems mean, but I was just like, oh, cool. He can shout. But then again, he'd only said a few lines and it was just him shouting at Megan, people. immediate judgment. <laughs> I just don't like shouting. I know you Because here was my problem. In my head, I was like, it sounds like he's just doing this because it's like, there's nothing behind it. It's just like what he does. But and there's then I'm stuff like, behind it. It's well, but thing. also it's, that's his job. Yeah, he needs to speak over these people. What you're thinking of is when you have like, a low-budget Shakespeare play in which nobody is yelling and then this person comes on and starts yelling and you go, why Why? are you yelling? It is not loud. Yeah. So it makes sense. Um, I'm just very judgmental of yelling, I guess. And then a lady spits at him and I wrote, I like her. (laughs) (laughs) She's great. Then there's cut in again with more news footage talking about the Volscian attack on Rome being threatened. (gasps) Oh no. So you mentioned how... 
the media works in to provide exposition so mm-hmm. you can cut out kind of boring it's also great for scene changes is that what you were going to say because no. that's kind no, of what it does no i was actually does. going to uh, do some analysis oh yeah no please sorry let me get my pen i think it's interesting that the words of the citizens not only are given to the citizens but also are given to the media to give opinions about Coriolanus and the Senate and the people. In Shakespeare plays, it is just people gossiping in the street, but our modern day interpretation would be media talking. Yeah, because like it. people would be tweeting about it or just doing anything online to get the word out instead of it being this very contained circle. And it also allows people to learn information quicker than they would in Shakespeare plays. Thank God this play doesn't have a miscommunication as a plot device. Because it's not like Romeo and Juliet where you're like, why didn't she text the plan to Romeo? If it's in modern day, why didn't she do that? So we cut to the Vulcan side and we see Alphidius, the guy who was sharpening the dagger and he shoots a messenger guy on camera. Yeah, it's a terrorist video. Yeah. Very clear, very obvious that that's what it's really interesting because the lines for this whole bit is act four scene three i know i'm glad that the movie puts it here because otherwise the play is just kind of like oh no the vulsions are bad oh no they're here yeah well this is like uh oh the vulsions are bad proof that they're bad Uh uh-oh they're here and coriolanus sees this video i'm gonna call him coriolanus that's fair he goes and he just goes God, I fought that guy so many times. So just, many times. Just want to have sex with him. God, he's like herpes. He just keeps coming back. We cut to bombs and war and guns and battle. Yeah, so the Vulsions have arrived and the military of a place calling itself Rome. I'm just going to say Rome. Rome is fighting the Vulsions in the streets and there's people in the streets while this is happening that's terrifying because that's a very big modern war issue where battles aren't just on big battlefields without innocence yeah and it's scary we but as they, americans but they really yeah we as americans don't know this shit yeah in a modern context we don't we're lucky interestingly they really don't bring it up though Oh, no. Like, they, they don't do anything to make you worried about the innocence on the streets. You you can just kind of think about it and be like, oh, no, there's, there's innocence. I, so the movie does, but since the play doesn't, it can't really do con- anything about it. Yeah. With it. Because the citizens in the play are never in danger in the war. Yeah. In the because text. it was old time wars on a battlefield. Yeah. So we cut to Coriolanus's house and his wife. And his mom are watching the news. God, his wife is so sad that her husband's at war. How dare she? As Coriolanus's mom says, I'd love to have all my sons die for the country. And don't worry, Coriolanus is going to kill the shit out of Ophidius. I like the line, if he died, his valor would have been his name. Like, this is a woman that clearly cares more about how things look than how things are. She definitely seems like a woman who has eight sons and they're all in the military because she raised them to be. Like, that's the kind of vibe she gives off. 
she is a voice for the state more so than I think even the senators at time. I really like what the film does in this scene where she starts going off on what she thinks that Coriolanus would say to the enemy and is doing on the field and things. And they take lines that happen in the next scene in the play of Coriolanus actually talking in battle and they interpose it with scenes of him in battle saying it over her talking about it like they do like a little fade Mm -hmm. and it's just really smooth and it's a good way to include those lines without having to have a whole scene of him talking in a battle it's It's brilliant it's so good this movie cuts a lot good it should but it's still really long but that's because they show a lot of fighting it's only two hours man it felt very long but that's also because i space out when things are just fighting because i don't like to watch it Oh, man, we're the same. If it's fighting, if it's a sport, unless it is laid out very clear what the stakes are, I phase it out. I need to know a stake. You need to be getting a ball or... You gotta make it very obvious to me which side is which and which one of those sides is bad. Yeah, otherwise it's just people running around. Then some dude shows up and I got really mad because it's supposed to... Yes, but at this point we didn't know who he was. Uh, yeah, we did. Menenius oh, that's loves right. the people. Megan they, didn't know what he, who he no, was. No, I didn't recognize him from his three-second clip shown before oh, on yeah. a TV. And this part is supposed to be the third woman, Valeria. And I got really upset because I was like, they got rid of one of the only women. And then I was like, right, this is not a community theater production. You don't need as many women roles. And then I was like, oh, right, it's Menenius. So there's one less character for us to memorize. Also, Menenius rules, man. He's nice. I think it's really interesting what it does to his character to have him be a confidant of the family of Coriolanus. It it makes it better. It makes more sense why he has a relationship with Coriolanus. Yes, that's the problem that I have with the play where I'm like, I don't know why he's so into Coriolanus. I mean, this movie fixes things. But this movie makes it make sense. And then Volumnia, the mother, is really rude. And she is a bitch. I don't, she's Listen, just a bitch. I don't like her. If I'm not she's ta- a great role. I hate her. If we're not talking about Virgilia, it's because the play doesn't give her anything yes. to do. And this movie cuts out part of her part in this end of the scene where they're like, let's all go do something. And then Virgilia's like, no, I don't want to. And then they're supposed to say, no, come on, come on. And then she goes, no, I don't want to. And then Volumnia goes, don't invite her anyway. She's being a stupid. She's going to make everything less fun. And then she goes, yeah, you're right. I should stay. But in this, they're just like, come. And then they just go, don't invite her. I have to say, Megan. What? Volumnia wants to have sex with her son. I was hoping not to discuss that. She wants to have sex with her son. It's something that I cannot deny. It is there. There is a very edible thing in this movie. But like reversed. It's like Jocasta just really wants to have sex with Oedipus. And Oedipus is just like, I'm here. But it's in the play. Yes. The movie doesn't add it. Yeah. It's just there. It's just there. Just like how Coriolanus is gay for Ophidius. It's just there. It's just there. If I was having sex with my son, I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. So Coriolanus uh, does some more war. Oh, this is one of the only parts they involve innocence. Because they have a gun on an old person, and then the old person gives a bottle of water to the soldier, which is Coriolanus, I think. Yes. 
And there's a yeah, there's a lot of fighting. And then the soldiers are like, Marcius must be dead. Can't find him. So two notes. Coriolanus is only horny for war. That's not true because he is also horny for Ophidius. Megan, that is an offshoot of his horniness for war. I think though. No, 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 Megan. No, I think they're too. I think outside of war, he'd still want to have sex with Ophidius. I don't think so. I don't think think if there is a martial aspect to their relationship, they have a relationship at all. It is only war. Okay, but what if they opened a coffee shop? Coffee shop AU, Coriolanus slash Ophidius. Ophidius. It would still have to be enemies to lovers. Ophidius is the new rival rival coffee shops and then no 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 no, no. rival coffee shops but then there's a grain shortage and there's a bean shortage so then they're like we can't afford to have two coffee shops let's join forces and make one coffee shop and have sex on the beans that makes absolutely zero sense you're talking about two companies becoming one company local businesses why can it not be that Ophidius is the new hire and Coriolanus has been working there for years and he knows his way around, but Ophidius has a couple ideas of how to do things different and this rubs Coriolanus the wrong way. Well, because I think that's the opposite of their relationships. Well, then... Then, then the opposite. Then do the opposite. All I'm saying is... I, Coriolanus I, just wants to kill all the customers and Ophidius... Man, I don't think that this would work as a fan fiction. I not do, with that attitude. I do firmly believe that Coriolanus is a character that only feels like a human being in war. Yeah, it's because he's not. Yes, that's he's the very point. broken. He's not a real person. He is that too. He is a soldier. He is a caricature of a soldier that has made that his whole life and identity. I mean, I think that that's just what being a soldier is. That's what society puts on you to be a soldier. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's not he's not caricature. There are firmly men who are like this who exist who only find themselves being people in war and then when they go home they feel completely disconnected. And that's because that's what the military industrial complex does to a yes. person. He's a I, victim. I'm thinking back from Shakespeare's days. Oh, yeah. I'm I think about it would have been more of a caricature. This is a movie. Yes. Yeah. We were talking about two different Coriolanus. I, mean, I, think, I think throughout all of history, you could say that about soldiers. And I think most soldiers didn't really come home and go back to life well, I mean, that, and Megan, meet Shakespeare. Megan, back then, you would be like, oh, well, my cousin Gertrude died of the plague yesterday. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. On. That's where I'm just like... The more that we have health care, the more lives are tragic when they're lost. Yes. <laughs> That's if- why I'm like, he... Oh, I guess he'd just be like a guy. Like in Shakespeare's time, it wouldn't at all, like it wouldn't at all have anything to do with him being a soldier, except for the fact that that's what's happening. But like his personality, it would just be like, yeah, he's just a fucking shitty guy. I don't know. He's a soldier, man. No, I'm saying like everyone is very even in the play, he's a soldier. Like I think his life is ruined by the fact that he's a soldier, even in Shakespeare's times. Never mind, he's not dead. Here comes Martius, covered in blood, out of the smoke. Then he approaches his soldier friends and has a very tender moment, and I think they might kiss, but they don't. And this is in the play Cominius, but it's not in the movie. Yeah. Because we meet Cominius later, and I was like, hold up. That's not that guy. That's not the guy. 
This guy is, I think, Titus. I have a question. Yeah. Do you think that Coriolanus was already in the military when he got married? Yes. How did he get so much sex enough to have baby? Duty, I guess. It's Megan. It's your job. Megan, it is your job. (laughs) His mom's calling him every night. Just like, have you done your push-ups? Have you had your sex? Coriolanus had a child because what is a child for? An additional resource of your nation. That's why nations like when birth rates are up. No, we can't get into this right now. America's a fucking mess. Let's not talk about it. I want to talk about it. (sighs) This is what this movie's about. It's about how war treats or mistreats people and really messes with your brain on how a person is supposed to exist in society and how a war-focused society treats its people yes uh, because the senators don't care about the people in order to warn them about Coriolanus no they care so that they have power and Coriolanus doesn't care about the people either because he has been told that these are the people that you're fighting for and all they do is complain (laughs) yeah I don't view Coriolanus as a bad person. I believe that Coriolanus, if we're viewing this as a tragedy, the tragedy is the tragedy of the soldier. See, but the problem is it's not called the tragedy of Coriolanus. He is the tragedy. That, no, no, hold on, let me say it. That one villager who spit on him. Tragic hero. I don't think so, man. Virgilia. Tragic hero. I don't think so, Megan. Coriolanus? Not a good man. But why? You can be a bad person and have been molded into one. Yeah. By outside forces. But you did not give me a reason. Tell me what is his tragic flaw. That he's a stubborn, violent man. Yes, Megan. But those are as a result of war. We don't see- No, no, no. But here's my problem. Terrible, shitty people who have been formed by a messed up system are still terrible, shitty people. Yes, but we do not see him out of the context of war. Okay. He is a bad person. He is also a victim. You can be a victim and be a bad person. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm just saying it's important to say he's a bad person. Yes, but I can't in good conscience blame him for his actions. (laughs) I'm not blaming him but i would sentence him it's a really tough line that kind of just sucks because it's like yeah but you did the thing care for him we should provide him with mental health services yeah but here's the thing so the film makes me feel like we should do that for soldiers but i don't feel sympathy for the man coriolanus himself because of how he's written if it was a different guy who said different things and maybe didn't have that terrible soundbite from later, I'd probably think differently. I can look past that. There's too many bad soundbites of him. But I mean, but that's, I think that's the point of it. I think you can't judge a person by their soundbite. And I think that that's what the movie is trying to say as well. I could see that being their point, but the only reason I wouldn't follow them is even when he's in more private situations, he still says things that I very much disagree with. So I'm like, Oh, even out of public, he's bad. Yes. Again, I look at this man and I see a man that was raised to be a soldier his entire life and has been stripped away of all his humanity and is just repeating things that he's been told. And I pity him more than hate him. 
like, I feel bad for this guy. Like, he sucks. What he's saying is shit. But when you look at how society treats soldiers, you say, wow, they work really hard to break your brain chemistry so much that you are able to take a human life. And they want you to not worry about it. And so that breaks a person. <laughs> Taking a human life is a hard thing. Yeah. That will break your brain if you do it. Yeah. Then he meets Alphidius. We got too deep, man. We're we got getting too deep. deep. This is a very uh, political film. And it's very... I like this it's shit, It's very though, complicated Mayim. subjects. We're not arguing. We're No, we're not arguing. If anyone is worried at all, we're not arguing. We just have very specific feelings about this sector of politics. And they're like... We're not even different. No, they're like just next to each other. Like not the same exact line, but like slightly askew where we're like, no, but that one millimeter. Marcius finds a fittiest. Instead of using their guns. They are like, no, this needs to be way more physical. They also have this really great line exchange where Coriolanus is like, I'll fight with none but thee for I do hate thee. And Alphidius just says, we hate alike. So um, gay. Ooh. Like, this knife fight is also very similar. Oh, to, they also like, strip down because they take off their like bulletproof vests and stuff. So yeah. they're like, let's get naked and grapple each other. It's basically the military version of that. It, uh, it's really funny because they do this around all of Aphidius's guys who just have guns and are just standing to the side like, okay, okay boss, is this really what's happening? General. <laughs> They're letting their personal rivalry get in the way. I will say, this is very reminiscent of the knife fight scene in Rebel Without a Cause, another very gay film. There is a lot of grappling for a knife fight. Yeah. Like, they are touching each other a lot. Yeah. Most knife fights, you kind of keep your distance. I will say, Megan, could have been sexier. Oh, it could have been, yeah. Megan, if I had my hands on this, it would have been hotter. It's sad that it's not. So I think maybe it would have been hotter, but instead they fall out a window and then they were like, yeah, and then they're going to be on the ground and they're going to be tussling. It's going to be great. And then Rafe Fines was like, actually, I'm a little shy today. How about instead we have a bomb go off right next to us and just stop it abruptly? No, that's... No. No, that was the censors that said that. There's a director's cut where they make out. Before the bomb oh, goes Oh, I was going to say that the bomb is just ejaculation. <sighs> Premature? Ooh, that's embarrassing. So Ophidius and Martius are picked up. Ophidius is, just walks away. <laughs> yeah, he and just gets away. Martius is like carried off. So we're like, what? What's going to happen to the guy who's going to be named Coriolanus after this? I wonder if he'll live. Yeah, he lives. Oh, yeah. They also bring in citizens here. I forgot how much this movie brought in citizens and innocents into the fighting. Uh, fun fact, a lot of the extras were from Serbia or Montenegro. They cast locals. Nice. So it adds authenticity, but also is kind of squicky that they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Act like your town is uh Act like you're in out. a war caused by these white men who have come <laughs> in, but they're the heroes. Yep. So Ophidius finds a dead kid and dead woman and... Gets upset that Martius always beats him. Even though he did not beat him this time, you walked away from that fight. He was carried yeah, away. He did not beat him. He got off. Ophidius got off. I wrote that in my notes and I was like, 
And I just keep writing. Ophidius has good lines. Ophidius is a well-written role. I think he's kind of boring, Megan. He says good lines, though. Yeah, I think it's Gerard Butler. I think an actor of higher quality could have made me more interested in Ophidius. Oh, you're saying Gerard Butler's why you're not interested. I thought you were saying Gerard Butler was why I'm interested. And I'm like, that is not accurate. No. (laughs) Because I'm looking mostly at the lines by the words and being like, ooh, Dem's good words. They are. It's written well, Megan, not acted well. It's almost like Shakespeare knows how to write some snappy lines. Oh, we also learned from Anenius that Coriolanus had 25 wounds and now... Now he is 27. And that's going to look good when he goes to the Senate. Martius goes to the Senate and he gets this war garland, which is not a thing because it's modern days. And he gets called Coriolanus, making all of my notes now good. (laughs) That's what I wrote because I didn't call him anything else in my notes. This is where we learned that it's pronounced Coriolis and not Coriolis. So as with most of this film, there is press all over the place, which makes sense when you're doing a modern version. There is one press person I need to shout out because they have a camera and have it way over their head because they're trying to get a shot without all the other press in it, is what I'm assuming. And it's just so realistic to me because it's just like all these press people like, well, yeah, well, I gotta get it. And then this one guy just like, oh, please, just one shot. Man, if that person ever hears it, you just made their life. <sighs> We got another actor in this, Marquez. Marquez is a really important person in this film. Yeah. His name is Jon Snow. You know nothing. No, he knows a lot. He knows a lot? He knows a lot, this Jon Snow. Is he like pretty Kit Kit Harrington's in this movie? No, Jon Snow. Well, who's that, man? He is a reporter from BBC Ford News, I think. And he is so endeared to me because he is <laughs> is a recurring part of the big fat quiz of the year. And he will read, he does reports, but he'll do reports reading lyrics from songs that came out the year of the quiz. Pop songs and yeah. hip-hop songs. Yeah, popular songs. And then usually when they say what the answer is, he's dancing to the song in the background. Megan, is Jon Snow in this film reading off Shakespearean lines a similar energy to him reading? Yes. Because he delivers them all in a is It's, it's just his voice. reporter voice. He does everything. That's why... He's endeared to me because he will be like, ah, yes, the news. I read it like this. Ah, yes, Missy Elliott. I read it like this. William Shakespeare. I read it like this. I'm just like, that's Jon Snow. A jump up the boogie, the boogie, the beat. (laughs) (laughs) He gets all caps notes from from me because I'm so happy. I have seen this film before, Megan. Really? Yeah. You you hadn't known Big Fat Quiz? Yes. And now you watch it after me forcing you to watch a bunch of Big Fat Quizzes? Yes. Oh, and now you care? Yeah. Yay! You're just like, oh, white man. And now you're like, oh, that's Jon Snow! I mean, I didn't note it when I first watched it that that guy was really good at reporting Shakespearean lines. Oh, uh, you should watch Big Fat Quiz of the Year. They're on YouTube. They're really good. I mean, some aren't great. 
Some have some problematic jokes. So we cut to Brutus and Senator V, and they're shit-talking Coriolanus, talking about how he has too much pride. Then Menenius reads them for filth. Yeah, because he's just like, what What are you talking about? You wouldn't know pride if it was up your pee hole. I don't know what he says, but he says no, something Megan, way better than no, that. Megan, that's not what he says. He says, you look at him, a man who almost died for his country several times over, and you say that he has pride when you sit here in your nice little suits, making laws for people and ignoring the people's cries, and you call him proud? And they just go like, yeah, well, Menenius, you two are also prideful. And he just goes, yeah, I know I'm full of shit. That's why I'm (laughs) able to say this to you. At least I acknowledge it. Yeah, which... Kind of rules. Menenius kind of rules. I also find this scene interesting because they mentioned the augurer. And I'm like, that's an interesting line to keep. What would an augurer be in modern day? An analyst? A, a Meteorologist? What? They all just assume the future. <laughs> Wait, what, did, what, what, what are they? Um, not analysts. What is it? Someone who makes the farmer's almanac? An actuary. That's what that's what an auger is. It's actuary because actuary is risk assessment. Then it's like news report. Beep, 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 beep. Coriolanus. Will he be consul? He hates people. <laughs> but he's a good soldier. I like this change. In the play, this is all officers talking. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, yeah, I fought with that guy. Yeah, he doesn't really seem to like people. Oh, you think about consul? <laughs> and in this, it's a bunch of gossipy reporters. Yeah, like political experts like you, yes. you see all the time. And I think that fits so well. Yeah, it's good. I like it way more. Shakespeare, why didn't you have that? Yeah, because Shakespeare <laughs> didn't have modern media. <laughs> and, hmm. and we cut to Coriolanus is in the bathroom with his mommy. Yep, she's dressing him up like a little fancy boy. And he mentions how he'd rather be a soldier than a consul, which is good. Know yourself. I'm going to get political again. I'm sorry. In society, and in America especially. People are like, oh, they were in the army. They should be president. You're like, yes. What does that have to do with anything? People use having a military record as a pump up. You fought for this country. That means you should know how to lead it. When in fact... It means you are a follower if you were good at it. You yes. might not have been. Just because you were in the army doesn't mean that you were good. Well, it's it's the love that America has for its troops. Yeah. It's such a pervasive where you have to be pro-troop. You could be left, you could be right, you could be upside down, sideways. But if you say something bad about the troops, you are a pariah. You are a monster. And let me make it clear, we love the troops. Oh, I love the troops. <laughs> While we're on the subject, uh, gotta love them. War good. The money you can make from it, even better. That's why I'll never be a politician, Megan, because I'd be like, yeah, I don't want war. Can we cut the military funding by a uh, half? Let's put that in uh, anything else. Oh, also, uh, Jessica Chastain, Virgilia, is cleaning up her son's toy guns. So, one thing that's interesting, again, a choice that was made for this film, Virgilia's normally in the room with them while they're having this discussion about war and the console and stuff. In the film, they're in the bathroom with the door closed, Virgilia walks in on it and is like, this is not a conversation I want to be a part of. 
I don't like war. I don't like this whole thing. Closes the door. And then, yeah, as you said, she has to go pick up toy guns and military items of, whoa, aren't children going to grow up to be soldiers too? Megan, did you have a gun toy growing up? Anything? Anything like that? I had Nerf guns. Oh, I had like a thing that was basically like little army man like a submachine gun that if you kept pushing the trigger it would go like yeah and you got it because you were a little boy and all little boys want to be in the military well i didn't and shoot people i didn't get it it was just a route i like i don't remember receiving it Mm. i feel like it just cosmically is there for little boys (laughs) the america fairy just drops off the military toys to all the little boys in the country because i don't think my mom would buy me maybe someday we'll reach a point where the little girls are also visited by the america fairy a gun with a bow on it it could be pink a pink gun and 20 percent more expensive And then she puts her forehead to her son in a sweet moment and then goes to join Coriolanus in bed and puts her hand over his heart and lays next to him. That's it, and not have sex. No sex, just touch his heart. Feel it still beating. Yep, okay. I I love this because Macbeth, he comes home and usually in productions. They're like, yeah. I love my wife and I'm happy to see her after being at war for so long. I'm going to make out with her, give her a big gold kissy on yeah, the mouth. Yeah, this is a very similar trajectory. It's like, he came home from I war. came home from war. I did really good. I got a new title. I'm possibly going even further. And he is, he does not talk to his wife. <laughs> this film makes sure of that. So we cut to the meeting where it's decided if Coriolanus will be counsel. And... Cominius is going to give a speech about Coriolanus, and I like that he leaves because he doesn't want to be complimented. Yeah, and I thought he was just going to like leave, leave, and then I was like, oh, wait, he has to come back. So he just stands outside the door, and you can still hear it kind of muffled, and his family is watching the news, and the mom is so happy, and the wife is just sitting there. But then... There's an interesting moment where he's in the hallway and Coriolanus just sees his janitor and they just make the most prolonged eye contact. Prolonged eye contact. I think that it is showing that no matter where you go, there are going to be people doing their jobs. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I definitely thought this was going to be a moment where they'd be like, it's you, you're that Coriolanus guy, or like any sort of recognition in the gender's face, but instead it's just like blankly staring at each other. And I'm just like, oh, they're just two humans that are like... You've done that before, though. Oh, absolutely, where you're just like, oh, another person's here. Like you're waiting outside well, of a classroom <laughs> for your class to start, and you acknowledge another person, and you're like, but you don't talk to them. Yeah. Or when it's like you're walking down a street and there's another person that's like a block away and you look at them and then you're like, well, I already started looking at them. Usually at that point, you'll like nod or like say good morning or something, but nothing, nothing. They just stare and then Coriolanus is like, well, time to go back inside. Coriolanus is named Council Baby and he has to address the Senate and he does it very officially and succinctly. And then they're like, all right, now you got to go ask for the permission of the people. And Coriolanus goes, no. And then someone goes, no, you have to. And in the play, it's some random senator. Mm -hmm. 
But in the film, they made it Brutus. Good. To send home the point of like, Brutus is the guy who doesn't like Coriolanus, as well as Senator V. I like that we see two other repeats of him saying, I'm not doing that. I'm not talking to the people on news reports to see the citizens' reactions as families' reactions to it. Yeah. Because everyone's like, oh, I misstep. I also love it because that makes this movie also about the surveillance state. Yeah. And how media changes perceptions. Yes. I also think that part of the reason why Coriolanus doesn't want to speak to the people, besides the fact that he hates them, is that he does not like to put on airs. And that's a big soldier thing. Yeah. A big soldier thing is cut the crap, cut the bullshit. I've killed people. So I'm qualified. But like, I mean, that's what his case is in this. Cause it's like, the reason I was hired is cause I can kill people. Not cause I can talk to people. Yes. But the reason why he knows himself and knows that he can't talk to people is because, you know, at the end of the day, he views life as an on and off switch. And He's like, I can't say that to them. Well, it's like... That's not have, what you do. You have to tell the truth, which is not what politicians do. Yeah. He's like, the things that I would say is not what anyone wants to hear, and I'm not going to say lies. Yes. So then, Menenius is like, let's go to the marketplace so you can maybe say some lies, please. 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 And he just goes, fine. And he goes around, and Megan, in the play, this is like four scenes. <laughs> And they cut it down to just, like, three interactions. Yes, which is great. Basically, he's just like, I, I fought hard. Like, there's two different people that he's like, well, I fought hard, right? You you accept that? And they're like, yeah, you know, you've got my voice. And then there's a third lady who in this is the best. And she's just like, but you don't really like us, do you? And then he's like, well, like is a difficult word. And, um... I fought a lot. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, actually, you have my voice. Another thing I like is, like, he just feels uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. It's very obvious. And it's also like, he didn't want to dress like this. He didn't want to act like this. And on some level, I get that. Basically, what he's being put to is if they were like, ah, do you want to go to an interview convention? Where all the companies you could possibly work for are there and you wear your suit and walk up to them on your own? And, and- you lie. You try to get the jobs. This is why job interviews suck, too. Yeah, but it's like a 500-company job interview all at once. And that sucks. I hate job interviews. They're the worst, because you have to... Lie. Lie. And be like, you're not giving me enough money. Uh, But I cannot bring that up, because then you will not hire me. Also, why do I want this job? Because I want to be paid money. And also, there's no such thing as company culture. So, the whole group is like, yeah... He's the voice. Amen. 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 And they chant amen, which is weirder than chanting bread, in my opinion. Yeah, well, bread's fun. Amen's not fun. Velitus is the name of the other senator. Did you have it in your notes the whole time? Nope, just right here and nowhere else. Got it. So he convinces the people almost immediately after Coriolanus leaves. Not almost immediately. Precisely Precisely immediately. He's like, and he can't turn around now. That guy's bad. He was mocking you. (laughs) And then they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, did you not hear how he said he was great and you sucked? And they're like, oh my God, when you say it like that. What do you think Shakespeare's political leanings were? It's so strange to try to figure out. 
Does he hate the common rabble? I think he wants money. And so he makes a play about how this soldier dies because he sadly has to capitulate his feelings in order to make peace. And it's like, damn, that soldier is truly sad and tragic. But in order to make money? (laughs) Or did he really think of it like that? So this is one of those plays that is very different from a lot of Shakespeare's plots. Yes. And I feel like someone requested it. I don't don't know. Like there's literally nothing to back that up. I have no proof, but it just feels to me like someone was like, wait, Billy, please, 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 please. He was like, I mean, all right. Mate, this is why I like this play. Because it's very different. Yes, it's different and it's interesting and it's it's exploring things that aren't like kingship. I think it's interesting when you cut it a lot. Right, I don't disagree. That's true of every play though. Right, I don't disagree. I think that the war shit is bad. But I think the reason why I, I connected with this play is because I think it is an interesting vehicle to have conversations about soldiers that you can't you, like there are only modern war movies that deal with this and i don't like those yeah i was going to say also this is a tale at least as far as we've seen throughout history that works throughout history yeah you can make it fit the situation and especially since it doesn't involve the divine right of kings or anything like that which a lot of the fighting plays do this is more of a democracy and it makes modern it makes more sense as a modern adaptation than anything about kings ever does yeah so anyway because of that the people are like uh we gotta revoke that we're gonna take it back we're gonna take back our voice yep and uh uh-oh megan Aphidius has raised a new army in Antium. And oh my god, Corey, he never stops talking about you. It's like all the time. I mean, it's not only that, it's that Coriolanus asks him, has he talked about me? Has he talked about me? Oh my god, all the time. You're just saying that. (laughs) And Coriolanus is going up to the Senate. He's like, all right, time to do the thingy. And Brutus and Senator V are like, whoa, 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 slow down. You can't go in there. The people hate you. They're literally crowded around the other entrance. Like, they're going to fight you. And Coriolanus is like, fine, I'll say the same speech again to them. And Menenius is just like, no, that's not going to work a second time. And then... Coriolanus talks about how much he hates the lower class and I hate it. And then he shouts about how terrible of a person he is and I don't like him. And then Brutus goes to try to fight him, it seems. And Coriolanus grabs him by the neck of his shirt and throws him out into the crowd. Okay, yeah. And so Coriolanus does yell the line, bring in the crows to peck the eagles. And that is him standing up for the state. The people outside are crows. They are scavengers. They take from the government. So they might as well peck on this eagle of a bad senator. But the people instead are like, Coriolanus, that was shitty. Why did you just throw Brutus? I just think that there's something here about... Because a lot of people, even liberals, think that people take advantage of the government. Not that government should provide welfare for the people. Mm -hmm. 
And yes, he's a shitty person for thinking that. But also, man, is the entirety of... You have to fight against that feeling. Unless you have grown up in an entirely anti-capitalist environment. That is something you have to learn. You have to learn to fight against this thought process. I I keep coming back to this point, man. I'm very sorry. Because I know that we disagree on this. But I think that this is another great moment where it comes in into play is that this is what Coriolanus thinks but also he is a soldier who has been manipulated his entire life to think this here we are man Coriolanus throws out Brutus and Brutus yells at the people if you keep him in power he's going to take your liberties away that's Shakespeare yeah that's a hundred percent what politicians say say about about other politicians yes and then he's like you guys are the city and they say, someone's like, the people are the city. And I'm like, yes, chant that. And then they don't. And I got really upset because I was like, you'll chant amen and bread, but you won't chant the people are the city when that's actually a great chant. The people are city is an amazing chant. Also, Megan, that's why the senators are the bad guys and not Coriolanus. So, no, I think they're all the bad guys. I, like, I understand, but yeah. they are more of the bad guy. See, because here's the thing, Megan. You want to know what Coriolanus isn't doing? He's not manipulating the people. He lies to them about him caring about them, but that's because he has to do that because other people are putting that pressure on him to do that. He doesn't want to do that. He actually doesn't want to be in power. He wants to be a soldier. Yeah, the thing is, he'd be a terrible politician. Yeah, Megan. And he knows that, that, but the problem is... um, Everyone wants, the, everyone him wants him to be one. And I'm like, yeah, but once he's there, like if the course of the play hadn't happened and he was just consul, it would have been bad. Yeah, Megan. But like, that's the thing. it's not his fault. Everyone tells him he should be a politician because he's a great soldier. No, no, I'm not saying that's his fault. I'm just saying like. I know, you don't have to like suck. him, Megan. No, I, and I don't, and I never will. I think he's a fascinating <laughs> character. I like him. Because of that. Oh no, I think terrible people are great characters. Yeah. Anyway. The people try to rush the doors, and Coriolanus is like, fine then, they'll kill me right here, I'll fight right here, and die right here, and Menenius and Cominius are like, no, you're gonna go home now. We're gonna, we're gonna go home. We're gonna, you're gonna go home. And Menenius and Brutus talk to the citizens, and Menenius is like, Please don't kill Coriolanus, please. Well, also, he mentions, like, they are making Coriolanus a scapegoat for the city's problems. You are using... Because Alphidius isn't there now. You are using this not-well-spoken, rude, rough man to stand in as a villain. Not, you know, that brain shortage that was there before Coriolanus became council. No, it's Coriolanus. And there's nothing that society loves more than a scapegoat. So they get Coriolanus home and he's mad at his mother because she's mad at him because she's like, why are you such a bad politician? And he's like, I'm a soldier mother. And then he's like, is that not enough? I thought you were proud of me because you said you were literally two scenes ago. And he goes, I don't repent my words. So so why should I lie about them? I said what I believed. And then she's like, that's not how politics work. And then they just get into a big tiff. And then she's just like, yes, you're valiant. You got that from me. But you're a stubborn jerk. And that's not from me at all. <laughs> she stubbornly says like a jerk as she leaves. 
So I like this scene a lot. However, I think that this in the movie, I don't really see the discovery in which Coriolanus decides, yes, I'm going to do it. I don't know which argument eventually works on him. And I think that that's a flaw of the movie. That's why the way I describe the scene is they get into a big tiff. I mean, they do. Because like, I don't see it as a conflict with a resolution. You see it as a fight that... It's just like a fight and then they walk away. I mean, it has a resolution. It's just not clear. Right. Yeah. So the evil senators try to convince the activists to call Coriolanus a fascist. That happens. And they're like, we're, we're going to have you talk to the people and the people are going to talk to you. And we're going to do it in the marketplace. But instead of the marketplace, because this is a modern thing, it's on the news. Megan, some would argue that the news is the marketplace of ideas. No, this is just a man trying to make a speech and the people protesting him. Someone does repeat the people are the city. And I was very happy that it at least got said one more time. And then, yeah, he has a very terrible sound bit. Silence, you cry of curs. He is not kind. No. And it is on the news. At the same time, I feel like they portray this as a PTSD outbreak. He's got bright lights flashing in his face. People are yelling at him. And he goes straight to huge anger. Yeah. Like it is very much a defense anger thrashing out. Again, this is why it's like, yeah, people pushed him into this situation that he really doesn't have the qualities to combat it so he does what he does best which is be a soldier be loud and authoritative but that is not the right thing for the situation and it does not work out for him Uh, and brutus holds the microphone like he is an evangelical preacher on the tv and he helps guide the audience into their decision to banish coriolanus and he leaves he just leaves no he doesn't He starts screaming about how he shouldn't have to. And then I'm like, dude, you said they might as well kill you last time. Just accept banishment and leave then. I wasn't paying attention to that part. Megan, there are some parts of these films that you pay attention to and I pay attention to. You know why I paid attention? Because he's like, why don't I banish you? And I was like, what? (laughs) You can't do that. And when we see the news and Ophidius's guys see it and they're like, nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> but is, Ophidius is just like, I don't know about this. He is like to a lonely dragon. And then Virgilia is sad. I could say that every scene she's in. Listen, I think she's doing a good job. Yeah. She just doesn't have anything to work with. That's just what the role is. Shakespeare just wrote Virgilia is sad for every scene. <laughs> And Bologna confronts those evil senators and they're just like, oh, we should probably avoid Virgilia. Okay, let's walk this way. And she's just like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, I'm going to confront you no matter what direction you're walking in. Oh, there's a bit. Um, Coriolanus is leaving and there's just this long shot of him leaving this town. Mm -hmm. And then we get a line from 4-3, which is around where we are in the play, where he's like, nay, mother, where's your courage? And normally he says that to her Mm -hmm. in the scene, but they like cut his goodbyes. And then we cut back to her previous line where she's like, you're too absolute. And like this just plays so it sounds like he's having this discussion in his head as he's leaving. And I just like that. It's very interesting. So Volumnia kicks their asses. Oh, it's very good. And she's just like, what did you do to him? You monsters. <sighs> Wife is not just sad. She is angry also now. 
Yes. She does get a second emotion. Whoa, two emotions. It's really exciting. But of course, Brutus and Senator V are just like, wow, this old lady has dementia, is basically what they say. And then they leave. And then she says the coolest line, anger is my meat. I sup upon myself and so shall starve with feeding. She's like, I'm Audi 5,000. Audi 5,000. She drops the mic. (laughs) She pulls her hood over her head and she just like. And then she hang glides out of this loser emporium. Yep. Time has passed. Coriolanus's hair is long. His hair is long. He's not a bald man. A boy on his horse passes him and they share prolonged eye contact. Prolonged eye contact. He's looking for Aphidius. He is in Antium, where Ophidius was. And he finds him. He just watches Ophidius for a while as Ophidius goes through the street and is like, hey, what's up, man? Oh, hey, how the are you doing? people love me. The people love him and the seas are his. <laughs> and then Coriolanus busts into a room with all of Ophi's men. Yeah, the catacombs where they all hang out. Where they all have guns that they're now just pointing on him. And he's like, it's me. And Ophidius goes, who? You know me. I do not know who you are. No, we fought. Fought a lot of dudes, man. Who are I'm you? I'm Coriolanus. I got whooped out of Rome. He says whooped out of Rome. And then he's like... I'm gonna fight Rome now. I hate <sighs> those guys. So Shakespeare does a thing here where he has Coriolanus say a line that is essentially the exact same as the line Macbeth says. Where he's just like, obviously I had no choice. Of all the men in the world, I would have voided thee. Where in Macbeth, he says, of all men else, I have avoided thee when it's Macduff and Macbeth. And this is, this, and I was just like, that's the same line, man. Coriolanus goes, accept me or slit my throat right here. And I then Alphidius is like, I'm going to slit your throat. And then instead they make prolonged eye contact. Prolonged eye contact. And then... He hugs, he takes Coriolanus into his arms and is like, I swear to God, I love my wife. I swear, I swear I'm straight. But oh my God, you make my heart dance more than my wife did on my wedding night. And every night I dream of you and me together every single night. And I, oh my God, I swear I'm straight. I swear, oh, Cory. Man, he never says he swears he's straight. No, it's he so doesn't. It's so gay. No, it's so gay. He's like, um, I love my... He says, I, I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my wife. But also, I need to have sex with you. Alphidius is bi and Coriolanus is gay. That's how yeah. I view it. Yeah. And then we cut to Coriolanus in the shower. Okay. And he shaves. <laughs> and I'm very confused because a lady comes in to give him a haircut and then... It's Alphidius, and I don't know if he's imagining it's Alphidius. Like, he 100% is. That's my view. Or if Alphidius is actually there. He's imagining that Alphidius himself is taking care of him. And then Alphidius is like, shake my boyfriend's hand. And they're all like, I mean, I guess. So what's the best way to conquer Rome? And we cut to Jon Snow being like, Coriolanus and Alphidius. Oh, sorry, I mean Martius Gaius, because Coriolanus, we're not calling him that anymore. They are approaching Rome. Thank you and good night. This is like right there. Just like, here's the plot. And then we have a scene where Aphidius and his general talk about whether or not Coriolanus will lead them to victory. A reporter in this says that he's their god. 
like the Volsky's god. And that sounds really racist. <laughs> I mean, yes. Like, it used to be said by Cominius, which makes it seem less bad. It's not that it's less bad. It's just like it's more understandable why it's being said. Because you're like, well, you're on the inside of this. So you're just like, geez, probably like they're God now. I know that guy. But when it's a reporter, when you're like, you should be an unbiased source. And you're saying this thing about the enemy that makes Have you them seen the news, followers. Man? No, I know. I know that it's not unbiased, and that's the whole problem with all news that's on TV. And it makes it so that this is really realistic, but it makes me feel worse about it. I love this because, yes, it does feel racist. It does feel like, ah, it's like he's their god or something. And it's like, yeah, cool, sure. You mean... Bless our troops. The leader of their military right now? That's not necessarily a god. No, Megan. What I mean is... No, no, I'm... We view soldiers as holy in our society and so i think that it's like Mm. yes we do that too my dude yeah but but they're just going like yeah yeah they worship a man as though he's a goddess saying that you don't like the troops makes you a pariah because everyone needs to say that they love the troops which is a dogma but i love the troops (laughs) Yeah, so back with the Volskis, they are kind of all shaving each other's heads to be like Coriolanus, which is a thing. Listen, being a soldier is gay, Megan. Especially when you've got someone like Ophidius who says, once he has Rome, he's mine. (laughs) And Shakespeare says that means that he's going to like kill him and beat him finally, and then he'll have both won the battle against Coriolanus and And, against Rome. Yep. (laughs) But let's be real. So we cut to the senators who were like, oh no, we made a boo-boo. Now we have somebody who's got a massive amount of military power with the only guy that had a chance. Lex Luthor and Superman are teaming up. And that means- Against Metropolis. That means Metropolis is screwed. (laughs) And they're like, hey, Menenius. Well, Menendez is like, so Brutus and uh, Senator V, you're going to go beg for mercy. And they're like, no. You do it. And then we got that guy from earlier when they thought that Coriolanus was dead. And he's like, the first person I thought was going to kiss Coriolanus. He's just like, I greeted him. And he was like, I don't know who you are. And he's like, "I'm I'm heartbroken. I got the biggest cold shoulder from my ex, guys. I don't know what to do. He is going nameless until he burns Rome to the ground. He's not calling himself Martius. He's not calling himself Coriolanus. And they're like, okay, <laughs> Menenius, you're the only guy. Uh, I'll go. You're the only one. And he's like, yeah. And so he goes. And basically Coriolanus is like, nah. And Menenius is like, but I'm crying. And he just goes, Rome means nothing to me. I don't have a wife. Don't have a mother. Don't have a kid. Don't know anybody named Menenius. So Menenius goes back and he's like, yeah, no, that's a dragon. That's not our friend. There is no more mercy in him than milk in a male tiger. Which again, I think is a line that Shakespeare wrote. And <laughs> when... <laughs> not like um, there's no milk in tigers. And they're like, tigers definitely uh, feed their young milk from their bodies. No more milk than in a male, male tiger. <laughs> and then Menenius kills himself? Question mark. Y- yeah, he cuts his wrists. And this does not happen in Shakespeare's no. play. Menenius says that he feels like he's going to end his life or that his life has no meaning now that Coriolanus is like this. 
I mean, that's kind of how Shakespeare very frequently would be like. Mate, if something like that happens, there's a character in the final scene that says that she shoved coals down her throat or that they're dead. And no character comes back. Only the fool, man. I was going to say the fool, But that's the only one. And, man, that's largely considered just an oopsie-daisy on Shakespeare. This could be an oopsie-daisy. They could be like, I feel like I should kill myself. And then he just forgot to insert the one line that said, I found his body. Yeah, I'm taking a, man, I'm not going by conspiracy theories. Uh, I'm saying Menenius doesn't die. He just doesn't have any more scenes in the play. Like, what happens to a lot of characters? I don't at all think that it's too far for them to say that he does because no, he says it. I just think it just doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm not saying it's egregious. I'm just like, okay. So then we have our Hail Mary pass, which is that his family goes to see Coriolanus to try to convince him not to attack Rome. And as they're walking up, soldiers are wolf whistling and cat calling his wife, and I hate it. Oh, yeah. I hate it in anything. So I'm saying toxic masculinity. Also, they're That's gay. The real problem. What are they doing? And then she kisses Coriolanus, and he's just like, ah, kiss long as my exile. And I thought he was going to say, long as my exile, I haven't been kissed. But then he says, long as my exile, sweet as my revenge. And I was like, so you're not saying you haven't had a kiss since your exile. So his family asks, can we speak to you in private? And Coriolis is like, absolutely not. (laughs) And then his mom just moms all over the place. Oh, she's mom so hard. So this scene is fairly long. It's, I think, the longest scene in the film of just people talking. Yeah. Uh, and essentially, she and the wife and the son are begging him to make peace with Rome. And he's like, I don't want to surrender. And they're like, no, 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 I didn't say that. I said sign a treaty. But it's this very long, drawn out thing because it takes forever for them to get to that point. And I didn't write much because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm in. Like, I'm actually in for this scene. Once again, though, I feel like there is a lack of a turn in which you understand the moment when when it hits him when it hits him yeah because i I feel like he walks up to her and is just like he suddenly just like kneels and then hugs her and you're like oh why hold me mommy yeah you're like oh when did that hit you but like while she was talking i was like no notes i'm in granted (laughs) i could see this as a soldier that doesn't know how to properly convey his emotions he is stone-faced until he makes a decision. Until he breaks, yeah. Because yeah. then he starts crying, and he's just like, oh, God sees me cry. And we sign the peace treaty. Woohoo! And- okay, it's weird, because he's like, Ophidius, is this what I should do? And Ophidius is like, she was very moving. Yeah, like, I- I'd be moved. Well, I think at this point, it's mentioned that Ophidius is no longer in control of these men. No, no, yeah. So it's up to Coriolanus to make the decision, and he does. I mean, it makes him very unpopular. But the problem is, they sign a treaty, and then Alphidius is like, it's so stupid that he listened to his mom and felt something. And I'm like, he literally asked you, man. You could have been like, let's talk about it. I would like it more if Gerard Butler was a better actor. If there was like a test there. Yeah, like if it seemed more like he was just like, of course I agree, because the people were around or something, and well, then... more just like, her arguments were good. But... But, and, uh, but That just I'm like, not saying... Because, yeah, it definitely sounded in the film, like he was saying, like, yeah, I'd make that decision. Yes. Instead of, well, you sure got moved by it. I would like it more if it was just like, 
I want to see what you're going to do. Yeah, that's that was my problem. Is because he seemed like he was on board, and then in the next scene, he's just like, oh, "That's such a dumb choice." Yeah, <laughs> like, so, so you I agree. like that better because then it would make more sense. Where it's just like, "Okay, now you have to die." Yeah. Oh, and they kill him. Uh, yeah. So Volumnia is the she's the voice of Rome, like she's the heart of Rome. What a great lady! She's such a groovy lady. The life of Rome is what they call her. Sorry. Which which goes back to my theory, Megan, at the beginning when I said that I feel like Volumnia stands in more for the state than the senators do as like an opinion of a soldier. And I think that them saying like, she's the life of Rome. She's the one that convinced him to sign a peace treaty. And I think that ultimately this is a bad thing because what Volumnia did was politic her way into convincing an adamant soldier to bend. Yeah. And that doesn't typically... Politicking doesn't typically work for people. Like, real people. Regular people. Yes. But she is the life of Rome. So he dies. I think it's very important. Marquez just kind of said that. I think it stabbed a bunch. So, he comes in. Alphidius is like, Hi, you're not Coriolanus. Yeah, you're You stole that name. You don't deserve it. And then Coriolanus is like, you might as well stab me then. And Alphidius is like, okay, boys, do it. And like six guys come at him. And unlike most films, they all come at him at once. Like in real life. So he gets stabbed. Yeah, unlike Batman movies. (laughs) Where where they're like one one at at a time. time. And then they don't kill him though because Alphidius comes out, takes out that dagger that he was sharpening in the very first scene while he was watching clips about Gaius Martius. And then he holds him at the back of his neck and stabs him and then hugs. Should have kissed him there. And then, yes. And then hugs Coriolanus against himself as Coriolanus dies. Yeah, he should have kissed him. And then he puts him on the ground and then he's just kneeling in front of him. And I don't know if this was a choice or if it's just how Gerard Butler's face looks, but he just kind of looks like he doesn't know what to do next. And I think that works because he's just like, I did it. But now, uh, now what? what's next? I did it. Fuck, I didn't kiss him. And that's it. We did it. Yeah. Man, we don't need to talk about the politics at the end because we just no, did it No, we throughout. did it a lot. Uh, how does this stand in as an adaptation? I think it's a very good adaptation. Oh, it fixes a lot of what I dislike about the play. It's another one of those adaptations where I say, this is a good adaptation. Do not watch it and use what you saw in it to answer an essay or quiz about Coriolanus for your English class. But Don't do that. But it's a much better watch. (laughs) Much better watch. But yeah, sorry. You're going to possibly get things wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no, I liked it. I don't really have much else to say besides that. An old section is risen anew. What did Roger Ebert think of this film? He gave it three and a half stars out of five. And he said, I admired the movie even though I found it neither fish nor fowl. As Shakespeare, it has too much action footage. Coriolanus's face seems permanently streaked with blood. And as action, it has too much Shakespeare. I suppose the action is the price fines had to pay to do the Shakespeare because a film this expensive must appeal to the masses. I would say 
as opposed the action is the fine fines had to pay, but I'm not Roger E. Because then I'd be dead. All right, Megan. Do you want to know what I think Shakespeare would say in response to Roger Ebert's response? Sure. Why did you wish me milder? <laughs> okay. MVP? Menenius. I was going to say Brian Cox is Menenius. Okay, we're like way too in sync with these. There's going to be so many MMVP nominees. Okay. Okay. That's it, though. He is. Is that three in a row? Four in a row? I think so. Anyway. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Megan, what would you rate Coriolanus? I would rate it three V names that I can't pronounce. Yes. Out of four syllables in a C named city that I can't pronounce. In a C named Coriolanus. Yeah. Got it. I thought you meant like a C, like, ah, it'd be the C. (laughs) Coriolanus, R. And then the V's are Senator V. Virgilia and No, it's Alumnia. not Virgilia. It's Vivivivivi, the girl, the other girl that got know. cut. And Volskis. Volskis. <laughs> There's a lot of V's in this one. Yeah. Marquez, what would you rate Coriolanus? Three out of four. I can't think of anything <laughs> clever. <laughs> I was also going to give it three out of four, Megan, like you did. But I also can't think of anything clever. My brain is broken. Okay, well, you got the three names of Coriolanus. Yes, all three of Coriolanus's names out of the four prominent animals that were named in this play. Tiger, dragon, crow, eagle? There's also cur. Cur. That's five. Whatever, screw it. Well, cur wasn't prominent enough. <laughs> it was the common cry of curs. Okay, fine, then... Um... Tiger wasn't prominent enough. Well, I mean, it's not. I just like it's that not. Line. We just like there we go. So yeah, no four prominent animals. Yes. All right. I think that just about does it for us here on Avant Bard. If you like what you heard, please follow us on all social media at Avant Bard Pod and at our brand new website at bit.ly/avantbard. And if you really like what you heard. You can support us financially at patreon.com slash avantbardpod. Bloopers for this episode will be on Patreon next week. But until then, we will see you anon. Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlow. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at Avant Bard Pod.